Good morning. Good to see you here this morning. And it didn't rain, so we're happy. If you have your Bibles, open it to John chapter 12. As we pick up here in John chapter 12, we're going to be starting... I need my glasses. Hold on. I kept them in my pockets because I wanted you to see they don't, they're not sunglasses because in a second they're going to turn into sunglasses and I, I just wanted you to know that just they do that automatically. And they want you to go, what's with that dude with the sunglasses? <laughs> don't drink the Kool-Aid, you know, I just, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> John chapter 12, starting at verse 20, it says, now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now, we're coming up to the culmination of Jesus' time and ministry. And we are told that these Greeks come, and it mentions that they're Greek because they're from a, a distant place. They're not local to Israel or to Jerusalem. And no doubt they have heard about Jesus because there was a lot of things going on that made him the center of attention. We know that some incredible things had been done, that there had been the feeding of thousands with just a young boy's lunch. That those who were blind had their eyes opened and they were able to see, but probably nothing more powerful than what happened just recently, in fact, in the previous chapter, where we hear about Jesus raising a man, Lazarus, from the dead. Now, you got to admit, even though there wasn't texting and there wasn't Facebook and you couldn't Twitter, there still was talk. And someone comes back from the dead, there's going to be talk. In fact, it's said that nothing travels faster than the speed of light except maybe gossip. And so the talk went around. This man, Jesus, he has done what no man can do. He has done something remarkable. In fact, we've heard that he raised someone from the dead. And just in chapter 11, in verse 45, we see, therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary, and Mary was Lazarus' sister, and had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So some put faith in Jesus and some were just tattletales and told on him. But either way, there was talk about him and what he had done. 
And so these Greeks come and they want to see this man who has done extraordinary things. And so they approach Philip, and and interesting they would approach Philip because his is also a Greek name. Perhaps they felt a closeness that they could actually approach him. And they come to Philip and they ask him, we would like to see Jesus. And Philip then gets a comrade. He goes to Andrew and says, hey, these guys want to see Jesus. So then they both go to Jesus and say, hey, these guys want to see you. And what's interesting about this story, and so many times we find is we don't really know, did they actually see Jesus? Because it just says he replied or Jesus said to them, and we don't know if that means he replied just to Philip and Andrew or were the Greek guys in the distance and they could hear as well, or, or what was the situation here? But Jesus then answers them with something, and you wonder, they ask to see Jesus, why would he say this? And he says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Glorified. You see, the word glorified means to to make brilliant, to magnify, to elevate. And so he is answering their question, but perhaps not in the way that they would think. They said, we would like to see Jesus. And he says, well, the hour is coming when you will see the Son of Man like you've never seen him before. That you will behold something incredible because he's about to be glorified. But it happens in a way that, again, they probably weren't expecting, and it probably wasn't the way they were expecting the conversation to go. But that is so the way Jesus does things. We see these conversations take place throughout his time speaking with people, and he always steers the conversation in a way that gets to the heart of the matter. It happened in John chapter 13 with Nicodemus, a story you might be familiar with, where Nicodemus, a Pharisee, one of the religious elite, he would be a part of the supreme court of the religious sect. And it says in chapter 3, verse 1, there's a man named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council, he came to Jesus at night, which is telling. He didn't want to come to him when everyone would see him. He came to him secretly and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Okay, here's the introduction. He comes up to Jesus. Jesus, I know you're from God because the things you're doing are just unbelievable. And Jesus' response, I've always read this, and I've always thought, why did he say that here? It just seems from left field, but you know, you, you don't say that because you never want to say Jesus is from left field. That just isn't right. But it's something that we have a hard time understanding. And all of a sudden, he just says to him, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again. It's like, What? And you see, it makes me feel good that I'm not alone wondering where this question came from because Nicodemus answers him in verse 4, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asks, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, But the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. 
And so what Jesus does is Nicodemus, a religious leader, comes to him and he says, I know you are from God. No one can do what you are doing. And Jesus takes the conversation and drives it to where it needs to go. He tells Nicodemus what he really needs to hear. No small talk. Nicodemus, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about? He says, Nicodemus, you've experienced natural birth, but you need to have a spiritual birth. And he presses Nicodemus to where he needs to go. It's not just conversation. He tells him what he needs to know. And he is constantly doing that. It happens in the next chapter, in chapter 4, we see what's known as the woman at the well, a Samaritan woman. And Jesus goes with his disciples, and they're tired. You know, it's desert, and they sit down at a well, and Jesus says he's going to stay here while they go, you know, to find something to eat. And so they go to a local walkthrough, you know, to find something to bring back to Jesus. And as he's there waiting, this woman comes and starts to draw water. And Jesus says, give me something to drink. And her response to him is, how is it that you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for something to drink? You Jews have nothing to do with us. And Jesus tells her, if you knew who I was, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And you see, he, he's throwing out the bait, you know, putting it out there. What do you think about that? And she's, you don't have anything to draw. This water is, this well is deep. How are you going to get this water? Are you greater than Jacob, our father, who gave us this well? And Jesus again says, you know, whoever drinks the water of this well, they'll thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give will never thirst again. In fact, from their innermost being will flow torrents of living water. Now, what would you do if someone started talking to you like that? Seriously. Be, okay, that's nice. <laughs> Very good. But then she almost mockingly says, Okay, sir, give me this water so I don't have to keep coming to this well to draw and drink. And then Jesus says, go get your husband and bring him back here. She says, I don't have a husband. And then he captures her and he says, you said the truth because you've actually had five husbands and the man you're living with now isn't your husband. Boom. Okay, now that would get your attention, okay? <laughs> Okay, and she says, I, I, I perceive or I think you're a prophet. Yeah, no, duh. <laughs> you just told me all these things. And then she asks the more serious question. Then she goes from talking about water and talking about well. She says, you know, we have heard that we're to worship in this place, but the Jews say you're to worship in Jerusalem. Where, where do you find God? Where do you connect with God? And Jesus says, well, you worship what you really don't know and to salvation has been given to the Jews, but I'm telling you that the time is coming and now is. And what he says, when he means by now is, he means it comes with me. The time is coming and now is when the true worshipers of God 
will worship him in spirit. Remember what he told Nicodemus? You must be born of the spirit. Will worship him in spirit and in truth, genuinely. For God seeks those to worship him like this. And so we see once again, Jesus steering the conversation to what she needs to hear. He breaks down the facade and tells her it's not about where, it's not about the location. It's about who you're worshiping and how you're worshiping him. It has to be alive by his spirit and it has to be genuine. And you see, she had presumed that, well, it's a matter of where you do it. You have to do the right ceremonies. That's how you worship God. And the Greeks and, and the people that Jesus was walking with, they said, when Jesus is glorified, well, what does that mean? They had assumed that to be glorified means he was going to reign. He was going to have power. But you see, presumption can get us into problems when we start presuming this is how God wants to do things. And, and God is actually trying to get to the core of who we are. And we're trying to quench our thirst by finding the peripherals. And God is trying to get to what is necessary. One day I was at home and, and Corrine and I were going to get ready to go somewhere. I don't remember where. And I had a headache. And so I got some ibuprofen. I took some ibuprofen. And she had just walked in from work. And she had with her you know, a bottle of water in her bag and stuff like that. And she put her water on the counter there. And... I put the ibuprofen in, in my mouth to swallow it, and I took the bottle of water that was hers. It had been open, but it's my wife, you know. I, it's my wife. It's her water. If it was a four-year-old kid's water, you know, it's like, no, I'll stay away from that. There's sinkies and floaties in there, you know. It's just like, but it's my wife's water, so I have no problem. I'll, I'll take, you know, take that with the ibuprofen. And, okay, let me back up a little. My wife works for a fragrance company. They sell cologne for men and, and perfume for women. And they have these testers, you know, where they spray it on the little white card and then they do this for some reason, you know, so that you can smell it. Well, one of these testers had broken, was broke, and so they were going to have to throw it away. But this perfume's expensive. It's like 80 bucks a bottle. And so she decided to save the perfume in a water bottle. You're ahead of me. Back to the story. I pop the, the pills in my mouth and I grab the water and I take a swig just to swallow it whole and lo and behold, it was not water. I don't know what it was, but it came out as quickly as it went in. And you see, I presumed it was water hoping that it would quench my thirst and it didn't help my thirst, it didn't help my headache, but I had breath that was amazing, you know. <laughs> And a lot of times we're wanting to quench our thirst, presuming God wants this, presuming that God wants that. And Jesus steers the conversation to the necessary, what we really need to know. And he does that with these men who come up to him. And, and in verse 24, he says, I tell you the truth. Again, they, they've wanted to see Jesus. He says, he's going to be glorified. I am going to be glorified. And I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. 
And, and here we see Jesus is talking about himself, that he is going to die, but that death is going to result in something glorious because he is going to rise again, and through his life, it is going to produce life in multiples. In fact, many of us here are the result of that. And what an amazing picture. You, you have a seed, and if you put it just on the counter, it's just hard, you know, it's meaningless, it, it, they don't usually taste good. I mean, they're kind of useless, but you put it in the ground and it starts to fall apart. You water it and then it starts to sprout. And then from one single seed, thousands can come up. And Jesus is saying, you want to see the Son of Man? You will see him glorified when he dies and rises again. And when he is alive, it is going to produce life like never before. And then he shows us how that life is to take place, how that life is to be seen within us, how that life is to be manifested in us, because we are to follow with him into his death so that we might have that new birth. And he goes on in verse 25 and he says, the man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. And so he starts telling us the journey that we need to take to be a part of this life that he is giving us. And the things that he says, they're difficult things. He, he's talking about not loving our life, but hating our life in this world so that we can keep it? You see, those are hard things. And, and serving and following him, that's a hard, that's a difficult thing. But see, just because it's hard and difficult doesn't mean it's bad. It might be difficult, but it's still good. You know, if you go to the gym, it's difficult, but the results are good. So they tell me. <laughs> and if you give yourself in this area, you will benefit in this area. And Jesus is telling us what needs to take place so that something good can take place. And when he talks about hating our lives... He's talking about being comfortable. He's talking about a, a way that we're living that is focused on us. And he says that unless we hate our lives, we're not going to find life. And, and if we actually love our lives, love being comfortable, love being fond of ourselves in that sense, then we're going to lose it. It won't amount to anything. We need to recognize that there are things within us that we need to lose. There are things within us that we actually need to hate. And I think all of us, if we are honest with ourselves, would be able to say, you know, there are things in my life that are damaging to me. There are habits, there are addictions, 
that really need to die. There are relationships that are not helping me but are hurting me. There are things that I do that are detrimental not only to me but to those around me. And if I continue to love those things, then I'm losing, not gaining. But if I hate those things, then Jesus says there is another life that I can offer you. One that is eternal. One that is beneficial. One that is going to be helpful to you. And that's why we give of ourselves. You know, you might think of it as hating your life. We're going to be going to San Vicente, Mexico, the young adults, at the end of the month and spend a weekend there helping orphans and putting on an outreach there in that city, staying in a less than three-star hotel, I'm sure. And you're thinking, why would you do that? That seems like you're hating yourself, but actually we're doing something that is bringing about life that is going to be lasting. We're doing something that is going to be beneficial, not just for the weekend. You see, instead of going to San Clemente for the weekend and watching the ocean and having a good time, we're going to invest in the lives of people. In a sense, we're hating our lives, but we are finding life beneficial. The women's luncheon that we're doing to help those who don't get to enjoy those kinds of things. We're not being served, we're serving and in a sense losing our lives so that we can find a different life. Find something that is beneficial, something that is going to be helpful. And these are the things that we want to do. In First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter writes, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. Remember that being born again, that worshiping in spirit. He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And so these men come up to Jesus and they say, we would like to see you. And he says, you want to see me? I got to tell you, unless a seed dies, it's not going to produce anything. But if it dies, it's going to produce a multiple of seeds. And whoever loves his life will lose it. But whoever hates his life in this world will find it for eternity. You want to see me? You want to follow after me? Then you need to find a new life. And you will see me as you have never seen before. You will find a life that you've never known before. And then he tells them that they need to serve me and follow me. And he says, where I am, my servant also will be. You want to see me? Do you want to be with Jesus? Then you need to follow me and you need to serve me. He says the same, these same words in chapter 14. When he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it weren't so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. 
You see, his desire is that we would be with him. His desire is that we would be in heaven. His desire is that we would have this life that does not end, a life that is spiritual, a life that is genuine, a life that speaks into our lives right where we're at after the five marriages, after the calamities, after the heartache. Genuine. The life that takes us from where we are at to where he is at. You know, one of the most, I think, powerful things that I've been able to tell my kids is that God cares for them even in their worst moments. I can remember having a discussion with one of my boys after some difficult things happened, some mistakes that are devastating where he just feels like I'm a failure. And, and, you know, it's one thing when you feel this way, but to see your children in that position, it just breaks your heart. And to be able to tell my son, this is when Jesus becomes the most important. It is when you are broken when you find that you hate who you are, what you've done, it's then that he gives you a new start. It's then that you can find a life that is filled with hope because he lives, you can live also. See, in Psalm 130, it says, there is forgiveness with you. And we need that. And not only is there forgiveness, but there is life with you. And so when you see us in our condition with our five marriages that have been devastated, with our problems with drinking, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, you see us in these conditions, you give us life in the midst of this. You're able to help us at that point. And you see, that's, that's when it matters most. That's when we need him most. And he concludes with these people and says to them, my father will honor the one who serves me. Honor means to value. It, it means to give worth. I was in Wales years ago. We had a team that went to Wales and we were helping a church get established in Cardiff at the time. And, and in that city, they had a giant open mall that was called Queen Street. And it's beautiful cobblestone and all these buildings where you could go shopping. And we would talk to people and just let them know why we were there and about the church that was there. And I sat down on a bench and I was talking to an elderly gentleman just about why I was there and having a great conversation. And, and the Welsh have this beautiful accent. The Brits have an accent too. It's a little harsher, but you know that English accent, you all, you know, they have that little talk within them. Well, the Welsh one is just smooth. I mean, it's just beautiful. And this man's talking to me in a Welsh accent and I'm talking to him in my 
accent, even though I don't hear it, you know, and we're dialoguing for about a half hour. I'm talking to him about why I'm here, about what Jesus has done in my life, finding about his beliefs, where he's come from, church he's gone to, and just a, a wonderful conversation. At the end of the conversation, he was waiting for his wife who was shopping, and she comes out of TK Maxx, which is like TJ Maxx, but in, in Europe, they just change the letter, and, it, and it's TK Maxx. Anyway, she comes out of TK Maxx, and she walks out and she goes, come on, Henry, let's go. And so the gentleman looks up to me and he puts his hand on me. And he says, sir, you are a gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> this beautiful accent from this gentleman saying I'm a, a gentleman and a scholar. I mean, as the ego is rushing to my head, you know, and I'm just like, Wow, I'm a gentleman and a scholar. And as I'm saying that, I'm thinking that, she comes back over to me and she says, Oh, don't mind him. He's got dementia, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, wait. What, what does that do to my gentleman and a scholar thing? Am I, am I a demented gentleman and a scholar? Where, where do I go with that? And you see so many times, we, we want honor. We want honor in this life. But do you understand that God can give you value, that God can give you a life that is worth something. And you see, Jesus rose again, not just to prove he could conquer death, but to give us a life that is connected to his life, a life that has value, a life that is worth something, a life that does not end but goes on for eternity, a life that is not temporary and focused on just self, but a life that is connected to the God who loves all. And to find that life, there has to be a death. And there has to be another birth. There has to be a death to ourself and our wanting our own way. And there has to be a, a birth to the life that God has to offer us. We need to, as Jesus said, be born again. We need to hate our life and the things that are so selfish and the things that are focused. There are things in us that we need to hate. There are things that we need to let die because it's not about getting a better life. It's about getting a new life. It's not about trying to pick ourselves up from the ashes. It's trying to blow those ashes away and start all over again. It's about the forgiveness that comes with Jesus's death. And it's about the life that comes with his resurrection. That is what this is about. And we have the opportunity to be honored by God, to be given a life that is of value, that is of worth. You want to see Jesus? Give your life to him and you will see him as never before because you will find him working within you, changing who you are from the inside out. And you will see him as you've never seen him before. He will rescue you at the well. He will direct you to the conversation that you need to be having. He will take away the presumptuous things that you've thought about God and bring you to what you really need. And as you serve him and as you follow him, he will honor you. He will give your life worth.
And that's what we need. It might be difficult, but it's what we need. It speaks to us where we're at. He doesn't abandon us. He comes to us. He draws us to himself. And he offers us the choice. You can love your life the way it is now. Or you can hate that life and find the life I have. The choice is ours. Let's pray. Father, it's a a scary thing to be confronted by you and to recognize the need that is within us. It can be a haunting thing, but it's a necessary thing. And I pray that we would desire the life that you give, God. That we would allow you to speak into us the life that comes from you. That we would make that decision to let the life that we have die in order to find a life that you give. That we would allow you to forgive, cleanse, and change us. That we would follow you, that we would serve you, that we might see you. And in turn, that you would honor us and give our lives value and worth. I know that God is at work within our lives and and even this morning, you're feeling... There needs to be a change. You need to maybe let go of some things and you do want that do-over. You want to start again. You want to be quenched with genuine water and not the things you've been going after. And we want to do all that we can to make that happen. But in the end, it comes down to just you and God. I want to take a time and just be reflective here as Danny and the group sings a verse and one chorus of a song. I I want you in this time to ask of God to make a change within you, to bring true worship into your soul, to bring true life within yours, to ask him that you would be born anew. Let's just take a moment and and reflect on these things that we've talked about this morning. We find that Nicodemus followed Jesus till the end of his life and was there in his death. We see that this woman at the well ran into the city and told everyone about this man who told me all the things I've done. We see his disciples, those who followed him, they followed him to the end and changed the world. They followed and served the Lord, and it changed their lives. This stands before all of us right now, to follow and serve him. 
And if you desire that, you can be like Nicodemus. You can be like that woman. You can be one of his disciples. And it will change who you are and you will see Jesus in his glory. It's not about joining a church. It's about following the Lord. It's about serving him. It's about having that relationship with him and allowing him to give you a new life. And it takes place by you asking for it and wanting the other life gone. And if that's what you want, then God is willing to respond and give that to you. And that's our prayer for all of you here this morning, that you would embrace who Jesus is, that you would see him by following him, by serving him. And we would love to be a part of that in your lives. We have a lot of information at the table here, areas where you can get involved in serving the Lord with us, whether it be at the Women's Spring Luncheon, whether it be in the youth going to the advance, or just be a part of our gatherings here. You're welcome. There's no membership. We're not here to, to build a name except for the name of Jesus. And we'd love to see you. We meet here every Sunday at 10 o'clock, only inside. But we'd love to see you guys here and be a part of your life and help out in whatever way we can. And if you have made this decision, I want to start living for the life, let me know. Talk to Danny. Talk to someone who brought you, perhaps, and say, you know what? I really think I need to start doing that. And allow others to be a part of this new change in your life. And allow God to continue to bring that life to you and develop the new life in you because he wants to. And we would love to be a part of that. Again, there's a lot of information out there for you to get a bulletin and things to sign up. We also have our offering barrel somewhere. We don't pass an offering, but it, it's there if you want to uh, give and support just our being able to meet together. We appreciate it. I hope you guys have a wonderful Easter. I hope that you would desire to see Jesus, and you would. I pray that you would encounter him and that he would be seen as never before, that you would see him in his glory, and his glory is going to be changing you. As you follow and serve him, then God will honor you and give your life worth. Let's stand together. God bless you guys. Have a happy Easter. Danny and the group is going to close in the last song. Enjoy each other's company. God bless you guys. Happy Easter.